You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Well, hello everyone. How are you guys doing? Life going well? You gonna, I'm excited about this message here, guys, and uh, excited to share it with you. Did you happen to notice my Mike Tyson-like form in that video? Are, some of you are afraid now, right? I can tell you're afraid. Um, <laughs> you should be afraid, very afraid. Uh, welcome to everyone online. Thank you for tuning in and checking this out. I'm excited about this, uh, how the Lord's going to move here. How many of you are just feeling great right now? Today, right now, you are feeling happy. You are feeling good. All right, some of you are lying, I can tell. You're like, yeah, I'm here excited, I'm here. How many of you are feeling just down right now? You're just feeling down and you don't even want to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand if you feel down, okay? And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, you know, emotions are part of our life. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. Uh, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for, for your grace that extends past borders and into dark places. And, and Lord, right now, we humble ourselves before you. God, um, we don't need to hear me. We need to hear you, Lord. So I ask your Holy Spirit to just work in me and through me by your grace. Direct, direct the thoughts that are in my head and, and the words that come out of my mouth, Lord. May your word just have a pulse and be on fire, God. Would you minister to every heart here, Lord, and every heart that's online, that's watching right now? Would you have your way? We love you, Jesus. And I also just want to pray that you just stomp out this coronavirus in Jesus' name. Just stomp it out, God. Florida, Texas, all over the place, God. I pray above all, God, that there's just a great revival in our land, that people turn to you and turn from their wicked ways and humble themselves and seek you, Lord, with all their hearts, God. So do your thing, God. Thank you for your grace and your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You know, this is an exciting time to be a Christian. You know that. It's an exciting time to be a Christian. It's an exciting time to be the church. Uh, don't hunker down and just kind of go into a hole and, and live behind a mask. It's an opportunity for you to tell other people about Jesus. It's about to uh, tell other people that, that they don't have to live with a spirit of fear. So um, <clears throat> I have, uh, I, the, in the, you know, God uses me to preach for a living. It's really interesting how sometimes I can't get words out of my mouth. Evidence God can use us, all of us. Um, emoticons, that's what I want to talk about. How many of you use emoticons on your phone? Anybody use emoticons? I use my, I notice old people use emoticons now and younger ones don't. I still use them, so that's a sign that I'm getting, or I'm old or something. And uh, in fact, there was one, uh, I, I don't have it to show you, but my, my daughter helped me, uh, and I made a, an emoji. Is it called an emoji of myself or an emoticon? I'm not an emoticon, I'm an emoji. And I'm this dark, beautiful mahogany skin, brazen look with the hat. And uh, kind of like you, Phil, you and I are the same color. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I send that every once in a while. It's really weird when I send out these emoticons to people, because like if I send them to someone younger, they always respond with an emoticon. And if I send it to someone my age or older, there's like no reply. 
So it's like, I don't think they know what to do with it. And they're like, okay, I'm not 13 anymore. I don't know. But I, there's all kinds. It's amazing how one picture captures an emotion. One picture just says it all. So if you're lazy and you don't want to type anything out, you just send out, you know, one picture. I'm going to take out my mask here and put it over there. You send out one picture and you just put that in there. And all of a sudden, you know, that just kind of captures it, captures that emotion kind of thing. Um, I've been, uh, I, was, I watched um, The Last Dance. Uh, anybody see The Last Dance with Jordan during the Chicago Bulls day? It's not the Denver Broncos, but they were, they were pretty popular in the 90s. And, and there's this one scene of Jordan on the floor, and, and that scene right there was just after. It's a famous scene when they celebrated the 1996 NBA championship after defeating the Seattle Supersonics in game six of the NBA finals. And that picture right there is a picture of the, the first win, but his dad was no longer around. His dad was murdered. And this scene right here, everybody's celebrating the, the great day, but Jordan is in the locker room weeping over his father. Have you been there before? Have you been there before when you have these mixed emotions? You know what I'm talking about? You might come to church and everybody's worshiping God and, and clapping hands and praising God, but inside you're hurt. Inside you're mourning and you're weeping. Have you been there before? You go to a place and you go to a party and everybody's up, but you're down and you're just, where you're at privately does not match the location you're at. It just, it's just different kind of thing. And that's what we're talking about today. How do you take control of your emotions so that they don't take control of you? How does that happen? <clears throat> How does that happen? You may feel like you're no good, or you may feel like you can never be forgiven, or you may feel guilty about something you said or did, or you may feel like people are out to get you, or you may feel like you're farther ahead than other people, or you may feel like you're smarter than other people, whatever it is. And just because you feel something doesn't mean it's true. Just because you feel something doesn't mean it's true. The challenging thing about feelings is they're so personal. When we feel something and because we feel it, we just think it's true. Because it's personal. I feel hurt. I feel angry. I feel upset. I feel alone. I feel betrayed. I feel whatever it is. And because it's so personal, we convince ourselves that it must be true. Now, the reason why you have emotions is because you were created in the image of God. That's why you have emotions. That's why we have emotions. You are created, we are created in the image of God. And you have a God who has emotions. And you see it throughout scriptures, times when he feels betrayed and hurt and, 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 and all these things. You see the emotions of God. But you also see in scripture times when people felt a certain way. And because they felt a certain way, it became action and they did something they shouldn't have done because they felt a certain way. So you've got to be careful with the emotions that you, that you feel. We're in this series called Out of Exile, and I want to help you out again. I want to make sure everybody knows where this is at in the timeline here. Um, so we have a timeline to show you um, <clears throat> where this stuff is at, and beginning in the Old Testament with creation, and, and you see our patriarchs and, and Exodus, conquest, judges, and all the kings, and then you see the exile. And again, this was a time when they were coming back home, 
<clears throat> the exile actually is the time when they were evicted from the promised land and they, they were living in a foreign place and then God uh, stirred the heart of King Cyrus and then they went back home. And when they went back home, the number one job was to build the temple. That was the number one task. God stirred the heart of King Cyrus and said, go back and build the temple. Focus on the church because that's where God would meet with them. That's where the forgiveness of sins would take place. So they go back to build the church, but while they're building the church, there's some mixed emotions. So we're going to jump into Ezra chapter 3. It says this, The construction of the temple of God began in mid-spring during the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. The workforce was made up of everyone who had returned from exile, including Zerubbabel. Incidentally, I got a couple of people saying there's a better way or there's a right way of saying Zerubbabel. And I just want you to know they were all wrong. It's actually Zerubbabel. And, and it is so hard for me. It just didn't roll off all the time. And I felt like, you know, it was a whole guttural thing. And I said, I'm going to call it Zerubbabel. So anyway, but it's Zerubbabel. That's how it's pronounced, uh, just so you know. Son of Shutiel, Jeshu, Yeshua, that's Jesus, son of Jehozadak, and his fellow priests and all the Levites. The Levites, who were 20 years old or older, were put in charge of rebuilding the Lord's temple. The workers at the temple of God were supervised by Joshua and his sons and relatives and Cadmiel and his sons and all the descendants of Hadaviah. They were helped in this task by the Levites of the family of Henadad. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, descendants of Asaph, clashed their symbols to praise the Lord. See, it's getting loud now. You thought it's loud here. It's really getting loud. And just as King David had prescribed, and here's the song, with praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good, his faithful love for Israel endures forever. Let's just say that out loud. Shout it out loud like we're there during this time. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout. You ready? One, two, three. <gasps> you guys are awesome. Shouting, praise the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. So like they see the foundation and they're excited and this is happening. We've been waiting for years. This is happening. But many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud. When they saw the new temple's foundation, the others, however, were shouting for joy. And look at verse 13. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. You know, the Lord showed me this um, I don't know, it was many, many years ago. A lot, of, a lot of the messages that come here come from my 
private devotional life. And, and this is one of them, actually, when I was reading here in Ezra, and I was reading it. And in fact, if you were to look at my, my Bible, I have mixed emotions on the very bottom right there because that's what it was. I, I, I see that, and you see people are weeping, and then you see people shouting for joy. They're mingling together, and, and people on the outside can't really tell the difference. They could just see that it's loud. They could hear that it's loud. And that's it. So well, how is it that you have people? And why are these people weeping? What is, what's happening with these, these mixed emotions where joyful shouting and mingling and, and, and weeping mingling together? See, the younger ones that are there, they're just excited that the temple is being built. They're just excited about what's happening and what God's doing. But the older ones who remember the first temple were weeping. They were weeping. When you see this and you go back to the very first temple, remember the song they were singing? Remember that song? If you go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 5, and you look at the very first temple, it says this, the trumpeters and singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words. There it is, say it again. He is good, his faithful endures forever. Does that sound just a little bit familiar from what we just read? At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. So here we read back, years before this happened, when the first temple, when Solomon built it, they sing this song, and the song is, he is good, his faithful love endures forever. And everybody's shouting and cheering, and all of a sudden, the very presence of the Lord comes down, and they just have to stop everything because they can't do anything because the glory of God is present, and there's just, there's, it, God just took over. But it was that song. And I wonder... When you look at them and you fast forward and you look at them when they come back from the exile and, and they're singing the same song, I wonder if the older ones heard that song and thought, this reminds me of the first time. Sometimes songs can bring back memories. You know what I'm talking about? A certain song can bring back a memory. There's certain songs that remind me of the day that I used to date Grace, those days. You know, the outfield. Anybody know the outfield? Anybody heard of them? Yeah, the outfield. Yeah, a few of you. 80s, the best music on the planet right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are certain songs that, that, I, I, that Grace and I are like, just like embedded in our memory. And if I hear them, I want to kiss Grace. You know what I mean? I just like, <laughs> it's just like a great memory. And I just like, I remember that song. But there's also other songs that trigger not so good memories. You know what I'm talking about? And for whatever reason, these, I want to say affectionately, these old guys, these, what are they, AARP guys, whatever they are, I want to say affectionately, these guys singing the song and they're looking at the foundation and something in them, there's emotion in them and it's so great, they start to weep, crying, they're sad. The, the, the younger ones have no idea why they're crying. Mixed emotions in the same room. Mixed emotions. Possibly some of them had stood in the very spot 70 years before. 
70 years before when this was happening, and maybe they're staying in the same spot. Have you ever gone back to your home where you grew up, or, and you go back and you're, you know, years later, and you take a little memory tour, memory lane, you know, and you look at that house, and you look at that school, and, and all kinds of memories come up in your head. And maybe that's what it was. Or maybe, maybe the older ones were thinking, this is good, but it'll never match up to what it was 70 years ago. It was amazing 70 years ago. And maybe they were doing some little comparing. Maybe that's what was happening. I want to give you a self-assessment question for you to kick around. This is going to save you hours and hours of counseling right here. I'm just telling you. So you want to, you want to make sure. Maybe you want to write it down. I don't know. But I'm going to help you. I'm going to help your marriage. I'm going to help your dating life, your friend life, whatever it is. When you are going through a feeling, ask yourself this question, why am I feeling this way? When you wake up or whatever it is, or you walk into a house and you're just down or whatever it is, or something's happened, you're in a funk or whatever, just ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? And more often than not, you'll, you'll discover, you know what, it was that email or it was that word that was said. I didn't realize, I didn't realize I, it was still fresh or whatever it is. Why am I feeling this way? What triggered me to feel this way? Why are you angry? You just got out of bed. The day hasn't even started. What's going on? What are you upset about? What are you bothered about? What's, what, what's going on? What's that trigger? Let me ask you another question. Do you have anyone in your life that you give permission to ask you the tough questions when you're in a weird mood? Is there anyone in your life that you say, you can come to me and ask me what's my problem anytime you see there's a problem? For most of us, we don't. And all we do is we get upset when someone asks us a kind of personal (laughs) question. We just get angry. But do you have anyone in your life that you say, you can come and talk to me? You can talk to me. It's okay. Sometimes, here's the challenge. We worship our feelings. We worship our feelings. And we put our feelings above everything else. And if you hurt my feelings, you're off the you know, you're on the list, <laughs> the bad list, whatever it is. We worship our feelings. We worship our feelings. I'm just gonna break it to you right now. God's goal for you is not necessarily for you to be happy, but for you to be holy. And 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 the marriage is not necessarily always about you being happy, it's about you being holy. And in this world, it's not always about everything going our way. That's not what it's about. It's not like that at all. Not at all. The men in Ezra chapter 3, they wept because they thought about the glory days. They saw it and they thought about the glory days. And maybe they had all these mixed feelings about the way it ended. And, and uh, you know, the prophets warned them about despising this temple for humble, humble beginnings. They're looking at the new temple that's being laid out, and all they're thinking about is the old temple. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes tells us this, don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. Many times have he said, oh, remember the good old days? I remember them. There were days that, like, you can, like, I don't know, go to the grocery store without a mask. You guys remember those good old days? 
those good old days when, when it was illegal to go to a bank with a mask. Do you remember those days? You couldn't do that. And now you can do that. It's just, oh, those glory. When you can go to a baseball game or a basketball game and you can walk down the street and nobody's doing this as you walk by them. I mean, the good old days. Do you remember those good old days? Weren't they great? We used to be able to sit together and, and, and we had fist bumps, like literally touched each other with our fists. Good old days. You remember those? We got to be careful. Some of you, when you think about good old days, you think, gosh, I remember the days without the cell phone and I would love to go back to those days. I remember those days when you can go out in the streets and play till it's dark and you go home when the sun goes down. And I remember those days when you drank water out of the water fountain, water, you know, water hose outside the good old days. <clears throat> you have to be careful. When we talk about the good old days, we can compare the good old days to what God is doing today, and we can miss what God is doing today when you compare the good old days. Good old days. Some people can't let go of the past. You know any of those people? They learn to be maybe bitter and resentment, and they die bitter and resentful people. They just can't let go of the past. It's just where they're at. Have you ever known someone whose feelings are all over the place? You know what I'm talking about? It's that, that person who you have to walk around like an eggshells. You know what I mean? You have to walk around like this around them because you just don't know. Or you don't know what mood they're going to be in. And they show up and it's like, are they in a good mood or in a bad mood? What's going on? Is it okay? Are all the stars lined up? Are we okay? Are they gonna, you know, you just don't know where they're at. You know anyone like that? Is that person sitting by you? Blink really fast at me. Just blink really fast. Do you know anyone like that? You just don't know where they're at. It's like, I don't know where, you know, I think I'm I'm waiting for a signal. (laughs) I'm waiting for a signal to find out what kind of mood they're in. Where are they at? Some of you might be known for being moody. Have Have you noticed moody people? Like drama just follows them everywhere. Drama just follows them everywhere. And people don't say it to your face, but they say it to their friends. <clears throat> and they might say something like, that's just the way she is. That's just the way he is. I know, I know, I know. He's really a good person. I know. What happened to him? I don't know. Just don't worry about it. Just let it go. It's okay. <clears throat> this same story is told in the book of Haggai. And Haggai, the prophet, he unpacks it a little bit more. So I want us to look at it. Haggai chapter 2, verse 1. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah to Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And to the remnant of the people, ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? So God is telling the Israelites, I want you to think about the former days. Now, God wasn't telling the Israelites to think about the former days so they could camp out in their memory of the former days. God was telling them to to remind them that, you know what, this is the temple of God. Remember the very presence came down? This is the temple of God. But they got stuck in the past. Don't get stuck in the past. Don't do it. It was, way, it was way easy for them to compare the old temple with the new temple. And we have to be really careful about comparing. 
It's our human nature to compare. We compare churches. This church against another church, that church against this church. We compare our homes, our houses, our clothes, our jobs, our neighbors, our whatever it is. We compare. And I've seen it with churches. I've seen it. Sometimes you go to churches and you can tell they're just stuck in the glory days. And you walk around their church and the whole thing looks like it was decorated in 1970 and it hasn't changed a bit. You know what I'm talking about? Have you been in those churches before? Or you go into a church and all you're doing is comparing it to your other church. And you just, you just want to tell, Pastor, I want to have a meeting with you because I want, you, I want to tell you what my old church used to do so you know what a real church looks like. I've had people do that. I've had people who leave Thorn Creek Church and they go somewhere else across the state and all they do is give them advice about how to do church because they were at Thorn Creek Church. And I tell them, don't do that. He's never going to talk to you again. Don't do that. You know, I believe every church is called to its own mission field and should be true to who God has called them to be. Every church. And we can be guilty when we compare. In relationships, you compare one woman to the last woman or one man to the last man, one when you're dating and all that stuff. We can be guilty of comparing and we have to be really, really careful. Some people can't move forward because all they do, they're stuck in the past and they just want to go backwards. And in their mind, that's, that's what real church looks like or that's what a job or a relationship, whatever it is. You got to be careful. Isaiah said this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? So in other words, God could be doing something new and you don't see it. Like a foundation of a temple that's being laid and the older guys are looking there and all they're doing is thinking about the old foundation and God's doing a new thing and the young ones see the new foundation and they're excited. And the old ones are thinking about the past and they're weeping. That's all they're doing. Just because, just because it may feel different doesn't mean it's wrong. Just because it may feel different doesn't mean it's wrong. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine and his church is um, predominantly made up of like, I'll, I'm gonna say this affectionately. Anytime you talk about age, it's like sensitive. So I'll, I'll say people who get discounts at Chick-fil-A. Okay, so it's people, who, those people. And, 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 uh, and he, he said, I feel like, Reuben, we should put a sign out there and say we're the best church on this side of Denver for old people. That's what he told me. And he has a heart for young people. And I told him, you know what you should tell him, brother? You should... Tell your church this, and I've mentored him and coached him before. I told him, you should ask your people this. How much do you love your grandchildren? How much do you love your grandchildren? Just because church looks different today, it's the same God. It's the same message of Jesus Christ. That hasn't changed at all. And it just looks a little bit different TikTok wasn't around when I was younger, but I get it. I mean, I, I, I see the videos, and just because it looks different doesn't mean it's wrong. We need to, some of you need to learn to manage your emotions. The Bible talks about those people who have self-control. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. 
Self-control. And when you have self-control, Scripture tells us you're mightier than someone who can rule a nation. This, this ability to manage your emotions, you need God to help you with this. See, your feelings are often unreliable. They're often unreliable. How many times have you been wrong? How many times have you been wrong? <laughs> Incidentally, it's our human nature to glamorize the past. We glamorize people of the past. You know, we do that sometimes at funerals or whatever it might be, and, and we glamorize their memories of them. And we just, you know, we lift them up. But if we think about it for a little bit, we can go back and think, gosh, they were a real pain. We glamorize the past. I had a 68 Corvair convertible that I brag about today. It was so cool. It was a major chick magnet. It was convertible. It had big old tires in the back, a chrome engine. The engine was in the back of the car, if you know a Corvair. And it just rode and it was up a little bit. And, and that thing was so good. I never could go more than 55 miles per hour, but it just looked good. And I talk about it like it was the best car in the world. You know what happened? I sold it because it was eating up all of my money and time, and every week there was a problem. But when I talk about the memory, I glamorize it, and I talk about how great that car was. Why, why do you think I don't have it now? But we have a tendency to glamorize the past. We do it with our, our life, our, our jobs, our cars, and whatever it is. Be careful about comparing the old with the new. Haggai goes on to say this in verse 4, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord, be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, be strong, say be strong with me, turn to the person next to you and just tell them be strong, can you tell them be strong, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, and there it is, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty, so this isn't a message that says, you need to just, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. No, it's be strong because the Lord God Almighty is with you. And because he is with you, you could be strong because he is with you. And God's telling Israel, be strong. You're looking at this foundation and you're weeping. You just be strong because God is with you. When God gave this message through Haggai, it was October 520 BC, 66 years later after the temple was destroyed. God's giving them this incredible message, and here it is. Walking by faith with God is more important than your feelings, because your feelings just go all over the place. Walking by faith with God, relying on his word, trusting him, anchoring in his word, that is more important than determining, your, making your decisions based on how you feel. Way more important. What's really interesting about this whole thing, I mean, God's really trying to help the Israelites understand that he's the same God. Now, when you look at the first temple that was built by King Solomon, the money that was spent... The money that was spent for that first temple was equivalent to five to eight billion dollars for that temple today. It's ridiculous. It was ridiculous. So the first step in them going back 
wasn't, hey guys, we need to raise a whole bunch of money. We need to raise $5 billion so that it's equivalent to the old temple. That wasn't it. Do you remember how God, what God did? God was excited when he saw Zerubbabel pick up the plumb line. And when he picked up the plumb line, scripture says the Lord rejoiced. It wasn't about, you know, five or eight billion dollars. It wasn't about that. It was about just start it. And it was about do that. The first step is just to lay down the foundation. See, God wanted the Israelites to understand this so important thing. That the glory of the first temple is with them today because God is with them. The giver of all the gold from the first temple is with them today. The one who blessed the first one is with them today. And that temple is just a foundation right now. And it may not look like much, but the God who was with Solomon is the God who was with them now. And they can rejoice because God is with them. It's okay. It's okay. See, sometimes, God's just saying do something. Sometimes we're more hung up on perfect circumstances and less hung up on perfect obedience. We're more hung up on, you know what, everything has to be right. The, the gold has to be there and the money and the resources have to be there. And God's just saying, just put down the, the foundation and I will be there and that's enough. God is saying he is with you and you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about anything. You can trust God. I like what Tozer said. God is more concerned with the state of people's hearts than with the state of their feelings. Way more concerned with that. And here comes the promise in verse five. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And this is so big, guys. I'll just tell you, I underlined it in my Bible when I read it. And I was like, this is so good. This is so good. And it says this. This is what I covenanted to you when, when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. See, they felt like God left them. They felt like they were on a vacation. I mean, God was on a vacation for them. They just felt alone. And somebody needs to hear that right now, and maybe they're watching online. I want you to hear this. God is with you. God is with you. God remains with you. He hasn't left at all. He is with you. He is with you. He remains with you. Even though you made those decisions, even though life has been hard, he remains with you. Even though you're older and your face is changing and your skin is changing, whatever, God remains with you. Even though you've lost much, God remains with you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid because God remains with you. And it's not about the size of the temple. It's about who is in the temple. It's about the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the God of all, he is with you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. I look back at my life and you know, the greatest times in my life have, been, have always been when God is with me. I'd rather eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the presence of the Lord than filet mignon without him. You know what I'm talking about? My best days have been the days when I've been, you know, living in a small place and God was with me and he still is with me. The best Sunday school class I ever had 
was with my black brother, Sam Rivers from Georgia, discipled me in a janitor's closet every lunch hour and he opened up the Bible and we had janitorial supplies all around us and I learned so much in that janitor's closet from Sam Rivers. And my brother Sam would say, Reuben, you gotta understand, Jesus will never leave you. That's what he would say. He'll never leave you. You need to keep your eyes on Jesus, brother. I grew so much in that janitor's closet. The best days, I want the presence of God over anything else. And God is telling the Israelites, look, stop thinking about the good old days. That was a season and that's all good. Grow from it, but look forward. Press on because the same God is with you and he's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. And the promise is here. My spirit remains among you. My spirit remains among you. Some of you need to hear that. Here's the problem. The devil can use your feelings to attack your mind. The devil can use your feelings to attack your mind. You might feel unloved. You might feel alone. You might feel like God doesn't care about you. You might feel like a failure. You might feel frustrated. You might feel like God can't forgive you. You might feel like God is upset with you. And the devil can use your feelings to attack you. One of Satan's favorite tools is to whip you around with negative emotions. To whip you around. And you're just going all over the place. He's just whipping you around with negative emotions. And you're going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into this black hole. And you're listening to the father of lies. Proverbs says this. I love it. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Isn't that good? Those <laughs> righteous may fall seven times. Anybody ever fall? I have fallen more than seven times. And the righteous will get up again because they know the promise of God, the God who loves them, the God who doesn't give up, the God who is with them. The Spirit of God remains with you. You fall seven times and you're like, it's okay. I'm going to learn from that last mistake. I'm not going to do that again. And you keep going. And the scripture says, but the wicked stumble. The wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Someone just needs to hear this message. God remains with you. God remains with you. Rick Warren said this, you don't have to believe everything you think and you don't have to accept everything you feel. It's so important. Not everything you feel is right. Not everything you feel is true. If you don't control your emotions, they will control you. If you don't control your emotions, they will control you. You know, one of the dangers of being controlled by your emotions is there are people out there that will take advantage of you. There are people out there that will identify that you're so emotionally unstable or, or you desire happiness for, the, for them or whatever it is, and they will take advantage and they will manipulate your emotions. And they'll say little things to communicate with you that they're not happy. They'll say little things to communicate with you how you made them feel. You know anyone like that? They are manipulating you. They are trying to control your emotions. And you need to be strong enough where you are secure in who you are. And you recognize, I'm not going to fall for that. They don't control my emotions. God controls me. 
I'm going to choose to behave. I'm going to choose to be this person. Do you know studies have shown your EQ is more important than your IQ? Your emotional quotient is more important than your intelligence quotient. In fact, those with a strong EQ are better in relationships. They're better in friendships. They're better at work. They're better at school. They're more secure with who they are. That's the emotional quotient. Haggai goes on to say this. Look what happens. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. God was telling the Israelites, don't feel sad about the former glory. The giver of the gold is with them. The one who gets the glory is with them. In verse 9, he says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Now think about this, what they started off with. It wasn't Solomon's $5 billion budget. It was just a foundation by Zerubbabel's plumb line. And God is telling them the glory of the present will be greater than the glory of the former. Sometimes we can look at the present and all we do is compare it to the good old days. And we think, oh, the good old days was so much better. But you don't know. But you don't know that God is going to do something greater greater. And God tells him, the glory of the present will be greater than the glory of the former. It'll be greater. And then he throws in this gift here. Did you see it? And in this place, I will grant peace. I will grant peace. You know what the future of the temple looked like? Herod remodeled the second temple into something amazing. But even greater than Herod. Second, the Lord of glory. The Lord of glory. Jesus Christ himself visited the temple. Jesus Christ himself walked into the temple. He walked in and the glory of that temple was greater than the glory of Solomon's temple because Jesus one day walked in there and he taught. Do you feel what I'm putting down here? Do you feel what I'm laying down here? Do you feel it? <clears throat> just say, I'm feeling it, because right now I'm not sure if you're feeling it. Can you just tell me if you're feeling it or not? S smile at me or something. Tell me you're feeling it. The glory of the Lord filled this place. Jesus himself walked in that place. That's that place where you walk and you say, I don't know what could happen here in this old house. I don't know what could happen here in this old place. I don't know what we're doing here. It's so small. But you know what? You're looking at it with your eyes and God is saying he will do greater and mightier things that you have not seen. And God wants to move in your life. God wants to do something great in your life and you have to walk by faith and trust him he wants all of you he wants all of you he wants you I want you to hear this God's future for you can be greater than your past 
He's not going to discard the past. I mean, you're going to learn from it, and it's going to be memories, but God wants you to move forward. Paul the Apostle said, I press on. I press on. Philippians chapter 3, he said, I press on. I press on. Not looking behind, but I press on. I keep walking by faith. I'm going to keep trusting God. And you know, he's going to use everything that's happened in my life for his glory and his purpose, but I'm going to keep pressing on. God's not done with you yet. God's not done with you yet. God has a plan for you. God cares about you. Do you believe it? God's goal for you is not to experience the glory days and now die. Some of you think, well, I just had all this in the past and now I'm just ready for heaven. What if God has a greater glory for you and Jesus himself is going to walk in the temple? Are you with me? Do you feel what I'm putting down? (laughs) Do you feel it? It's the glory of the Lord. It's the presence of the Lord. I'm all wrapped up about this, guys. I'm all wrapped up. This idea that they're laying down the foundation. And I'm just wrapped up in this idea. And the mixed emotions that you have. You need to be able to sift through them and say, I know this isn't from God. This is from the devil. But I know who is with me. And the giver of all is with me. It may look different, but he is with me. His spirit remains with me. And I'm going to keep walking by faith. I'm going to keep trusting God. I'm going to keep going forward. I'm going to stay on this road because I know God is moving. I know he's walking with me and I'm trusting him. Woo! All right. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Some of you are getting it and others of you are saying, is he done yet? I'm sorry. (laughs) Mixed emotions. Father God, we humble ourselves before you. Thank you for your grace and your love. I'm so grateful, God. I'm so grateful, God. You're a God of second chances, a God of new beginnings. I'm grateful, God. You're a God who brings us back. I am grateful that you are the God whose spirit remains with us. I am grateful for that, Lord. And God, I thank you for the feelings and emotions that we all live with. Some of us have a whole bunch of it, and some of us don't rarely show any feelings. <laughs> and God, wherever we're at, I just pray for your spirit, the spirit of self-control. Would you help us? May our emotions be driven by your presence, God. Give us, help us to manage it, God. And Lord, would you just, I just sense your presence here, God, in a special, sweet way. And if you're here right now, and, and or maybe you're watching this online, and you want to invite Jesus into your heart. Would you just say this? Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my savior. Forgive me for my sins. Be my Lord and my God. I give you my life. I I, I thank you, God, my past, present, and future. Others of you might need to say this. God, help me to move forward. Help me to move forward, God. Help me to keep leaning on you and trusting you and walking by faith. Not by my feelings, but walking by faith. So thank you, God, for your presence, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray all this. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.